Welcome everybody to Good Life Church. Wherever you're at, welcome this morning. Uh, we want to say a big warm welcome to all of our campus at Foster Sun Curry. And at Toronto. And where's the other one at? Mainland. I knew, I knew. It's all right. It's fantastic. God bless you. Take a seat. Hope you're ready to hear the Word of God. Round two of You Need More. That was an amazing welcome from the Newcastle Good Lifers. You guys are amazing. Let's, let's, let's keep that up. That's fantastic. Um, look, last week we covered the topic of you need more. And uh, we are tackling the topic of finance, but a range of things that basically look at the way that we handle our resources. And uh, you have a certain amount of resources that are at your disposal. Your time is at your disposal. If you don't use it, it's gone. You can't back, can't go back and use it. You can try to have a redo, but that time has gone. Um, also, with your talents, your energies, your skills, um, and your and your finance, and so with your treasure, there are a lot of different ways that God puts resource in our hands. And my notion for every good lifer would be that you need more. Some people have a problem with that because you think it's pious to be poor. I would suggest if you think it's pious to be poor, you're not doing it on a grand enough scale. Um, if you walked in through that, if you had breakfast this morning, you're not poor enough, right? If you've bought clothes in the last year, you're not poor enough. Like if you think it's pious to be poor, do it a bit grander. You're not actually faith-filled enough to do it properly. It's not pious to be poor, because God's word actually leads us that he wants to take care of us. He wants to bless us. And sure, he wants to take care of his kids, but we get to be a part of an adventure where getting to believe God for more means it's not just about me and mine, but that I could change the world through a generosity that keeps on growing. Let me say it, you need more. Turn to the person beside you at every campus and tell them you need more. Turn to the neighbor on the other side and say, I'm sorry I didn't pick you first time and say, you also need more. <laughs> you need more is a selfless revelation. You need more is a selfless revelation that I now need not to just take care of my needs, but I need to change the world. And I'm believing God that he would meet every one of those needs. I need to expand my thinking. And I hope that over these weeks of you need more, that we challenge the small thinking, the smallness that comes around. We settle. We get to a point where I'm like, oh, this is how I do life. This is how it works. And different stages of life, different transitions of stages will mean that that happens more readily. And so we get to that stage and something happens like, oh, I kind of can't push any further. Can I say that pushing through that growth barrier, pushing through that barrier of settledness, can I suggest that you need more? You might have gone through, you might have, you might have faced the challenges, I can't do that anymore. Well, you can have a redo. You can do a do-over and go, it's not just that I, it was a struggle. There's certain things that you can apply to change the way that you handle that big step. You need more. The devil will be uh, intimidated. He doesn't want you to win. He doesn't want you to win your neighbours for Jesus. He doesn't want you to be a shining light in your world. He doesn't want you to prosper because with little, you can do little and he'd prefer you be little. If the devil can't stop you from being a Christian, he'll give his best shot at stopping you being an effective one. 
And so can I say, you need more is a selfless revelation and we need to expand our thinking. Philippians 4 and 19, my God shall supply all of my needs. I checked out the, uh, the Greek. So the, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. I checked out the Greek on the word all and it turns out it means all. It's crazy. I, I, for me, that was big. It actually, oh, that doesn't mean some, doesn't mean half, doesn't mean a portion of, a percentage of. My God shall supply all of my needs. But if my heart expands to my needing more because I want to change the world, well, I would say, God bless you. You're an amazing roller coaster if we would do that. You need more. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. This is a theme of Scripture. Uh, more than we ask or imagine. So it's saying that I have a current amount of asking and imagining, and he goes, there's more. This challenges me to think more. This challenges me to think to have the mind of Christ, not the mind of Dave. That's a wild place to live in. But wouldn't it be better if I submit, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ, so I could see in God's terms that He would want more for me, for mine, for my family, and for the way that I could do more to change the community that desperately needs it. So it's him who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. This is not an external force. It's when I allow God to do his complete work in me, he changes my mentality, what I ask and imagine, and I allow more to happen in and through me. This is not an external thing. God bless me. God bless me. It's somewhere out there. I'm waiting for God's blessing to land on me. No, it's something that happens in me. It's a mentality. It's a heart, a notion. Uh, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the, uh, deviation from the, from the recap of last week very quickly. Um, even the Lord's Prayer, if, if you think about it, there's four major steps of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and uh, you might know it um, parrot fashion. You might know I, I used to be able to just rattle it off. You know I mean, it doesn't mean anything. But if I stop and I think about it and allow God to speak through it, uh, in the book of Matthew, it shows us that um, the Lord's Prayer is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means worship. My first act of prayer, my first, when Jesus taught us how, not what, but how to pray, he says, start with worship, start with adoration. There's too many Christians that want to start asking too quick. And I go, chill out, you, that's like way down the track. Um, or so, too many Christians go, I want to repent. And because you're very aware of the things that you've done, the things that you haven't done, the things that you should have done, the things that he told you, and you're like, mm, I'm not really, you want to repent. God, I'm sorry. But that's even later than asking. He first says, just worship. Will you realize that I'm your father and, and, and I'm here for you and my strength is made perfect in the middle of your weakness? Can you just approach me as a dad and worship? Hallowed be your name. The second part of that Lord's Prayer is humility. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and it's a humility that says, God, let your will be done in me and then in my life through to the world. It says, God, I'm a part of your adventure. Oh, this adventure, sorry, of faith, I'm a part of it walking with you to be able to to let your kingdom um, reign in my life, my decisions, my priorities, my time, talent and treasure, my resource decisions. God, will you let that happen? That'd be awesome. And if we'd start with worship and then humility, where we submit to the will of God, that He wants good things to happen in us and get it out to our community. I realise I'm not isolated from the good that needs to happen in my world. I'm actually involved 
And if I can do that, here's the third theme of the Lord's Prayer. Um, it's asking, give us this day. So you don't want to ask too early because your heart's not right for it. But with humility and with worship, you're now ready to ask, God, my heart is expanding. I want the world to change. Your needs have now, your thinking has now expanded. You're saying, God, to the God who's able to do immeasurably more, more than I used to ask, more than I used to imagine, God, let that happen in me. And now God says, even through the Lord's prayer, through worship and then through humility, then He says, ask all that you want. Go for it. Give us our daily bread because I've got expanding needs and expanding vision. The theme of um, scriptures in regards to resource, uh, because every healthy step in Christ is to use, your, use well the resources he's put in your hand. But the three themes of scripture, noting that Jesus, one in every four verses, covers uh, the handling of resources or finance. One in four scriptures, that's a fairly big chunk of the way that Jesus wants you to think and to see where the condition of your heart. Um, but those, those themes can come down to three things, stewardship, generosity, and faith. Um, faith is not just that when things are tough, God, I trust you, God, will you come through? Faith for some people today is going to be the journey of, I have found myself thinking so small. And I, God, will you give me the faith to think bigger? You tried it last time and the business didn't work. You tried it last time and you went bankrupt. You tried it last time and that business partner uh, stabbed you in the back. You tried it last time and the stress of the, uh, of the cash flow got you. You tried it last time and, 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 and it was disappointing. But can I say, you need more means not just trusting God when it's difficult, but pushing through and saying, God, I'm going to put myself potentially in difficult spaces. God, I'm going to trust you for bigger. God, I'm going to trust that your, my resource is going to grow this year. I'm going, to, I'm going to trust you that my financial position is going to change this year. I'm going to trust you, God, because that's the, that's the theme of Scripture is that God wants me to go from strength to strength. The steps of the righteous people lead upward in Jesus' name. And so no matter whatever campus you're at, it is true that every healthy step in Christ is to use well the resources He's given us. And therefore, we get to these two trees, uh, the large trees that are larger than last week. Uh, we talked about last week that you need more and the trees have been obedient at least, which is good. So we've got large trees. And which one have we got? We've got the tree of life uh, over to your right. It's a lovely looking fig. Uh, I used to have a couple of figs in the back. I used to I had a couple of pot plants called uh, Cecil and Bob. They had names. Uh, and this one is the tree. It's another, another fig. And uh, he is the, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. These are represented in the book of Genesis where God puts Adam and Eve in a perfect situation and says, I'm going to take care of you. Come on, tend the garden, take care of the world. He says, I'll meet all of your needs. I'm a perfect dad. I'll come and hang out with you every single day. And he says, hey, look, you've got all these trees and especially the tree of life. This is fantastic. They're all good. But there's one tree I don't want you to touch and it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eat it and you will die. As soon as they did, sin entered the world and death entered the world. Right from that point, as soon as you choose your way over God's way, then death enters. You'll be like, oh, it's just trying to get ahead. You'll be like, ah, oh, I can't believe it. It'll be, it'll be, there'll be a death to your soul. There'll be something, there'll be a disconnection. There'll be God's plan is here, but how can I, how come I can't meet it? 
And even if you do chase after it, if you choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you choose your way over God's way, your provision over God's provision, when tough times come, can you trust yourself to get you out of a pickle? That's a difficult spot. But I know that if I choose the tree of life, that no matter what, that God makes a way that He is my provider, that He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And if I might be going through a storm and a difficult time, I'm not trusting here. I'm going to work hard to provide for me and mine and my family, but I'm not relying on that. My heart doesn't gravitate towards the need for me to take care of myself. I can trust God. God, it's your plan. If it's your will, God, it's your bill. That's the whole plan. And all of a sudden, I could be going through exactly the same storm as the person who's choosing the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But the storm that I'm going through right now, all of a sudden I've got a peace because Jesus is in my boat. You might be going through a health scare right now. You could be going through a financial scare. You could be worried for the teenage child in your home. You could be going through a relational issue. There's a range of different issues. But can I suggest that the peace that passes all understanding exists when I choose God's way and not my way? God wants you to have more. And I don't think that more is just more cash in your bank. More gold. Here's the problem with gold. How does God see gold? It's the pavement of heaven. There you go. Have some of that. That's all gold is to him. Why would we run after that when I could have the God of heaven existing in my heart, no matter what the circumstances If you live this way and live with that confidence and that peace that God wants more for you of, then when tough times come, the people watching in your world, family members, colleagues, employees, your employer, your neighbours, I think, how do you do it? When the world is falling apart, how do you do it? Why? How do you do it? Because you're eating some fruit from here. That gives you immense peace. I can trust God. He'll come through. And in the meantime, my muscles are getting stronger because my faith's getting getting activated. And in the meantime, I'm learning and growing. In the meantime, God exists in my heart. Hey, it'll all be cool. It's not the end. I can tell because it hasn't worked out. It still looks like God needs to come through, but I can trust Him. He's come through for me before. I'm eating from the tree of life and that's the peace that passes all understanding. You sit on that side and eat that fruit and you can't actually stand with those things. And so today I want us to actually go through the these three themes of Scripture in regards to resources, our decisions of resources. Remember, it's not just money, but it does include money. Um, and so the, the three things were generosity and faith and stewardship. And look from the perspective, if I was to take care, if I was to look at those attitudes, those themes from the tree of life and those themes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So if you've got your pen, you can write notes. If you don't have a pen, borrow your neighbours. They'll give it to you for sure because they want more. They're willing to sow, knowing that more pens are going to be ripped in their life. Maybe not. Okay. So on this journey of you need more, um, we're going to start with the topic of generosity. And you'd be like, ah, I knew it. They're going to talk about it. They want my money. It's all right. The offering's already happened. You don't have to worry about that. You either gave or you didn't. It's okay. It's not going to change what goes into the bank account today. This is a, this is a principle of Scripture we're digging into. This is not about I want your money right now. 
too many people are too much of a soft touch for a manipulative preacher and too many people are too stonewalled with cynicism. And so you will see manipulation and, and, and cynicism and things that don't require it. Why? Because they're the lenses you're looking through. And so we look at this, this topic of generosity. If I was to live from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if I was to choose my way, not God's way, if I was to choose um, the way of the world, if I was to choose the way that the world chooses, if I was to choose to keep up with the Joneses or the Instagram friends that I'm trying to, um, uh, to keep up with their airbrushed photos of, what I will do is when it comes to the topic of generosity, I will give on what I see. I will look at my bank account and I will give according to that. Well, I'm going to give a certain percentage of what's in my bank account. If I want to be generous, it's going to be based upon what I see. And if I see lack because I don't trust God for my future, I have to trust me for my future. Then what I'm going to do is I'm only going to give on what I see in the bank account. Living out of the tree of life means I don't just see what's in the bank account, but I see the riches of heaven. That's a different story. We'll get to that in a second. But you will give from what you see in your bank account. And you will give going, God, I'm going to sow because I've got to reap because our lives are focused. If I live on this side of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, I'm focused on what I can get out of it. And my value might be out of that. My God, you better come through for me. It's an angle that like sometimes we put pressure right there and we're missing the whole point. That you need more is not just about more in your bank account, but more peace to be able to do this journey and to grow through tough times. And so generosity starts to be twisted. Two people can give the same amount of money in an offering with completely different hearts. Can I put it this way? Two people with exactly the same heart are going to give different amounts of money. Because it's not about the amount of coins. It's about the faith in the heart. Most Sundays, you're going to hear someone at Good Life Church give an opportunity for people to bring an offering. And somewhere in there, inevitably, every little while, someone's going to say, it's not about the method of giving, it's about the heart. It's always about the heart. Two people with the same heart can give completely different amounts. That's why Jesus said when, he, when, when the little lady comes into church and she just puts two little coins, she gives everything. He goes, stop for a second. Everyone, stop. Back up the wagon. This lady needs some recognition. And not just this lady needs some recognition, but the heart that she's giving from. Because she gives all. She gives of the tree of life. She's living right there. She goes, I can trust my God. I'm a widow. I don't have... And I can trust God. And now, I'm not saying empty out your bank accounts. I'm saying trust God and have faith and obey what He says to your life. Don't just do things out of presumption or out of, oh, well, I've got to empty my bank. Don't do that at all. Do that out of faith. If that's what God... Whatever offering you give, do it out of faith in Jesus' name. Certainly don't go into debt for an offering because you're not giving your money at that point. Two people can give with the same, uh, give the same amount with a different heart. Two people can give uh, from the same heart different amounts. And this lady gets recognised because of the faith that she's living in. She's, he's wanting to say, ladies and gentlemen, it's not about the amount that you give. It's actually always about the heart that you give it from. Jesus wants to recognise heart when it comes to generosity. It's never about the amount. Um, in the topic of generosity, there'll be people that would say, um, I don't believe in tithing. And I would just need to clarify, um, I, I do and I don't. 
the Old Testament gives a pattern of tithes and offerings. And um, even before Moses writes it into the law from God, um, Abraham has been living that life. The father of faith was the father of faith because the coins didn't stick to him. He didn't need them. He goes, I trust God, not the coins. I trust in God, not riches. And he had a fair chunk. So he goes, yeah, take it, get rid of it. No worries, don't need it. And so God goes, I can trust a person like that. And then it gets written into the law, which is not law as in you have to. It's law as in these are really good things. If you live by this, man, that'd be great. This is going to help a lot. Um, and then some people think it gets done away with. Um, in Jesus, Jesus adds heart. Everything from the Old Testament is like a dot-to-dot drawing. Like, uh, okay, yep, I kind of kind of get it, but I, I kind of get the outline. And, and then Jesus adds texture and color to the artwork of the dot to dot. And in this case, when he adds this texture and color and heart to it, he says, um, yeah, you should tithe, but then don't neglect the weightier matters of the law as well, like justice. How are you going to deal with justice apart from having an offering that's way past your tithe? Generosity of your time is the way that you actually help people. That's actually how you outwork justice. Being able to feed that person, that's justice. And it doesn't happen by holding on to your cash. It happens by an offering on top of the tithe. He said, sure, do the tithe, do that. He goes, but let's live a life that's not bound by, a, a, by an arbitrary rule, a 10%. It's not about that. It's about, it's about the tithe and justice. And the only way you do that is by giving beyond that. So the only way you're able to actually give 10% and then more is when you really trust God that he brought it to you in the first place and he's able to bring it back again. You're going to find it very hard to tithe. You're going to find it very hard to bring your tithe and your offerings to the storehouse if you're living here because God, can I get that back again? Because when you put it in the bucket, it's gone. Can I say that when you put your offering in the bucket, it's not gone. It's just gone into your future. That's where it's going. That offering of your, of your tithes and offerings is going into your future. So if you can live in a trust, you're going, God, when's this going to come back? And I wonder how. He's pretty creative though, isn't he? Isn't it amazing how God brings back all those things? And people will say, oh, well... Um, you know, in the New Testament church, they didn't tithe. Well, here's the problem with that, is that they gave way more. I don't believe in tithing. Because I believe that tithing, because of the way that Jesus deals with it, if I'm not tithing, it's a warning bell on my heart going, this is all about you, Dave. This is a warning bell of my heart that I've chosen the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and my ability to take care of myself. But I'm not under the law. I'm above the law. And so what I do is I give way more than that. And if I ever am tempted to go anywhere underneath 10%, there's a warning bell on my heart going, Dave, this is all about you. This is all about you trusting yourself again, mate. And I know myself, I'm a good guy, but I'm not that good. My mum says I'm not the Messiah. I'm just a naughty little boy. (laughs) She might be true. Tithes are superseded with the generosity of the New Testament of God. You've got all of my heart and everything I have and you've brought it to me and you'll bring it to me again. I trust you completely. When I walk in the tree of life, what happens is that I'm not bound 
by numbers and things in the law. What I'm bound by is a love for Jesus Christ that says I get to be a part of making a difference and God can get it to me. He can get it through me and he can bring it back to me again. I have no problem with that. Generosity, when you come to the tree of life, is an appetite to sow. Your generosity with an appetite to sow can never be divorced from faith. And so can I suggest that when it comes to an opportunity to give, and sure, we're only weeks, we just launched Heart for the House, but we're only a couple of weeks from that offering. Choose that one or another one, that's fine. But the deal is you can't actually divorce your generosity then from faith. And then what we've got to do is, um, they're not going to ask the questions. Well, we're not going to get that money from. The money from God, the, 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 the resources from God doesn't just fall from the sky. I mean, I'm a senior pastor. There's no tube in the office with cash falling from the heaven. Not even I don't even get that. Maybe Beck, so I try to get into her office occasionally. <laughs> but it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that at all. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, God, I'm not giving out of what I can see in my bank balance. I'm giving out of faith for what God I want to see in the kingdom and in my life and what I'm sowing for the future. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, whoa, God, how am I going to get that? I'm pledging for something that looks amazing and remarkable. I'm not just giving out of what I have. I'm pledging. I'm going, God, I'm trusting you for more because he wants more for my life. And so I've got a couple of things I've got to do. Number one, I've got to live a bit more frugally. I'm going to look at the budget and see how much goes on drinks. If, here's a challenge, and it was a challenge to me years ago. If I'm eating out, I'm not just paying for the food, I'm paying for someone else to make it. If I'm doing that regularly, now I get a treat, that's fine. Treats happen. But if my lifestyle is eating out after eating out after eating out, I don't know if I'm stewarding well the resources God's got for me. If you're having latte after latte after, and you go, oh, I've got to have my coffee fix in the morning. I went and got a decent coffee machine. That's what we did. We worked out how to live frugally. Why? Because I wanted to be able to sow more into the kingdom of God. So I'm looking for ways to be frugal. I'm looking for ways to, and, and, and we, still, we still live life. We still enjoy it. We're still putting money into fun things where, you know I mean, activities and holidays. I'm not going to cut away. I, I might cut the nature of my holiday. But what I'm going to look for is if I'm trusting God, I want to live on this way, I might just have to cut some things to be able to go, God, this is my step of faith to say, you know what, this is for you. And I would like to be able to just rock up to my local cafe and, and them know what my order is and bang, bang. Like, it'd be nice for that to happen. Isn't it nice to go to the cafe where everyone knows your name? But life's not at all about that. And so what I do is I start to live frugally because of it. The other thing I do is if, I've, if I'm pledging and I'm giving a big offering, if my generosity says, God, I trust you, I'm not just looking for how much I can scrimp. I'm not just looking for austerity measures. What I'm looking for is opportunities to make more money. I want to make more money and say, how do I do God? Because I want to take care of my family. I want to take care of my, I want to be a wise person that leaves an inheritance for my children's children. And so I need some more money. And so God, you have so many ideas. You've got business ideas. There are opportunities to do, maybe get a few extra hours of work. Maybe I've, got to, maybe I've got to work a couple of more hours. Maybe I've got to then offer some more within my workplace. Maybe I could work out a way. Maybe you could talk to a business person who's got great ideas because you've got none. The deal is, if I want to trust God for great generosity, I'm not just going to scrimp and save. I'm going to trust God for Him to show me ways that I could make more. 
More money is not a problem. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of the money. That's the root of all evil. These are the, these are the, uh, these are the principles that have helped my life. So I'm looking for opportunities to make more cash. And it's amazing if the money doesn't stick to you like Abraham, how many times God will bring those opportunities your way? How many people, how many people that God is just waiting until money doesn't have your heart for those opportunities to just open up? If you bring your tithes and your offerings to the storehouse, he opens up the windows of heaven. Open the windows of heaven comes with a, a prerequisite. So if I'm going to be generous, then I've got to think about how that works out. If I want to have faith, the problem with the tree of knowledge of good and evil is the faith is in you. You'll be stressed. You'll be anxious for cash. If your goals then get blocked or they become unrealistic, it's very easy to get angry or anxious. If those goals become so far away and my faith was in me, then it's a surefire recipe for depression. If those goals are unachievable, there's not even a light at the end of the tunnel. And maybe you're thinking if there was a light at the end of the tunnel, it might just be a train coming my way. It's unachievable. I could never do it. It's a surefire recipe for depression. That's if my faith is in me and my way. But if my faith is in God, then I realise that He's got true riches for me. I realise that the true riches are His peace. I got faith and I can trust in God. And when it all looks terrible, I know that my God is in control. He's the Alpha and He's the Omega. I can have some trust. In the middle of the storms, no matter what comes, I can have some faith. I can have some confidence. It's not saying the storms don't come. It just says in the middle of those storms, I can have confidence that my God is in control. And at the end of this, I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be better. Luke chapter 16 and verse 11, if we can bring that up on the screen. It says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Leave it there. The connection between the way that we handle our finance with faith is connected to God downloading true riches. What's true riches? It's going to be two things. The condition of my heart with peace and confidence. God, you're in control. This looks horrible right now. This is difficult. God, I need you to come through. When it seems like He hasn't and hasn't done it on the time that you wanted, you can just say, God, I still trust you. This is difficult and I hate this, but I still trust you. And God, you're going to come through. And in the middle of those true riches of peace, there's another true riches is the people that are watching on, those people that you've been praying for, those loved ones that you want to take to heaven with you, they're watching faith in action. When everything's falling apart, you've got true riches. Where did you get those true riches? You were trustworthy in handling worldly wealth. The coins didn't stick to you. I got some generosity. I'm living by the tree of life in generosity. I'm living by the tree of life in my faith. So the pathway to the true riches, it's the same principle that God says, if you're faithful in the small, God gives you the big. Money's a small matter. We all deal with it on a daily basis. It's small, it's regular, it's not massive. But the 
true riches are massive. Your friends and family that need Jesus, are ma- it's a massive deal. I want my dad to come to Jesus. I want to see my dad in heaven. How does that happen? How does the true riches, how do I get the opportunity to do that? It's by the avenue of taking care of the small. God gives me the big, faithful with worldly riches. The last one is stewardship. If you live in stewardship by the tree of knowledge of good and evil, there'll be no plan, there'll be no values. You'll live by feelings. You'll roll from one retail therapy session to the next. When it comes to offering time, you'll feel manipulated or cynical because a fool and his money are easily parted. That's not a scripture. It's just an old proverb my dad used to say. But if you live with no plan or values, there's no stewardship. But if you live by the tree of life when it comes to stewardship, you'll have to get a budget. Now, a budget's not a swear word. A budget says every dollar that's coming in over the next month, I'm going to give it an assignment. I know where it's going. I know I'm going to send it. I'm not going to look at the end of the month and go, where did all that go? Because I already knew where I sent it. One of of our outreach ministries, one of our Good Life Foundation ministries is CAP, where we help people learn how to budget, get out of debt. Christians Against Poverty is a great ministry. If you want to know more, just ask at the yes desk. Another option of a great budget would be to get on everydollar.com. We have one fan, which is good. But the answer to a budget is living on less. You can't live on less when you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. If you live by the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you're not living on less. You're living on, I'm keeping up. You're living on the facade of social media or keeping up with people around you. It just doesn't work. I've got to live on less than I make. How do I do that? Downsize. Live frugally. It is the only answer. How do people get rich? Stop spending. Stop spending on stuff that's actually not necessary. You get on a budget, you'll feel like you had a raise. Every single time. If you struggle with that, don't be condemned. I was never taught this. I'm so glad I had mentors that taught me how to do this. So don't be embarrassed. Please come and ask for help. It'd be better if you learned how to live by the tree of life in this area. I want to put my budget into a range of different ways and uh, either cap or every dollar can show you how to do that. But you want to give, you want to save, you want to spend. Um, Dave Ramsey has um, in his book, Total Money Makeover, seven steps, seven baby steps. And the first one towards financial peace is to get yourself up, just to start off with a $1,000 emergency fund. But I've got all these debtors, I've got all these things, right, right. We'll live in peace knowing that if the fridge dies, I'm okay. We're going to be right. So I'm going to put that aside, $1,000, and that's not an, that's an emergency fund is not for my holiday or for the shoes. It's not at all. It's to, to, it's to be able to go, I can live in peace. All of a sudden, you've stewarded things well. You can have $1,000 in emergency. The second step is a debt snowball where you list all of your debts the ones that have got interest and the ones to your grandma that have none and list everything and go and then and then just attack 
and then pay the minimum payment on all, but then add as much as you possibly can to the smallest and kill it. Even if it's not a high interest, you might go, well, wouldn't I pay the high interest one first? No, no, no. Because if you nail the small one, you'll be like, man, I'm getting a win. This is awesome. Because what you do then is all that money you were putting into the smallest, then you would tack all of that plus the minimum payment onto the second smallest. All of a sudden, man, you've killed two. You've killed two debts and it was the two smallest ones, but you're like, I'm getting some wins and all of that money, you add it to the third, add it to the fourth, add it to the fifth. All of a sudden you can get rid of debt, including car leases. The Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender. It doesn't say don't do it, but I've got a question for you. Who do you want to be slave to? This one sounds better to me. If I'm slave to I've got to have the right car, the right image, the right things, what you'll end up being is slave to a bank. They don't see you as a customer anymore. I don't know if they ever did, but they see you as a means to make a lot of money. And debt, you'll become slave to someone. A couple of years ago, we were one well-worded letter off bankruptcy. Why? Because we actually, while having debt, invested with debt in the middle of a big property boom and lost everything. I've just worked out I'm never going to be their slave ever again. So I got myself out of debt and I'm not getting back in it. I got a business. I could expand it very, very quickly right now with debt. They're like, yeah, you could expand it. You have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea the scars that tell me, Dave, live by the tree of life. Because this stuff does not work. Getting out of debt would be a great idea. Please don't live by credit cards. If these are things that we can help you with, we'd love to be able to do that. Then once you've done your debt snowball, get another emergency fund because $1,000 won't get you through because if you lose your job, you're going to need three to six months of an emergency fund. I tell you what, you'll be living by peace. If you've got no debt, no payments, and you've got three to six months of your wage sitting there in an account, you'll be like, man, this is awesome. I can do anything. Are you kidding me? Now you're attacking your house. Now you're attacking extra into super because you're going to get all sorts of tax benefits, all kinds of different things that are happening at that point. And if you can nail your house, then you are now living debt-free with a house before you even thought you'd do it and you can live and give like nobody else. If you live like nobody else, later on you can live and give like nobody else ever could. The true riches, ladies and gentlemen, are God's plan. It's not gold because it's just heaven's pavement. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Knowing that the true riches are peace, Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Here's the wrap-up of this one here today. The true riches being, I'm on God's plan, I'm doing it His way, and I've got His peace in my life. I've got a confidence and a peace that passes all understanding. I get to realise that this Scripture shows me that he rewards those who earnestly seek Him. 
not those who think it's a good idea, not those who think maybe I'll do it another time, but those who seek Him. He's in the adventure of faith. He is to be sought. God in every decision, in every resource decision is to be sought. His ways, His presence, His leadership, His guidance. It's an adventure at every point. God, how much am I giving to that offering? God, let me, show me. God, how much can I find? God, give me ideas that I could make more money. He is in every of every one of those decisions. He's in none of the other decisions. He's not there at all. He's on this side of the field with the tree of life. And if you need more, you need more of His presence. You need more of His leadership. You need more of His guidance. You don't need more cash because the cash doesn't stick to you. It's for purposes to do great things with it. So I, I, I want to I be one of those who, not one of those who don't, not one of those who forget. I want to seek Him. Is His peace the true riches? Or is it actually just having Him in my heart? Once was lost, but now I'm found. How did that happen? Because Jesus exchanged my garbage, my sin, my mess, my weakness for His strength, His love, His riches of forgiveness. Is there anything that's more true riches than His forgiveness for a wretch like me? I don't want to take that for granted ever. He's a reward of those who diligently seek Him. God's your reward. My sin deserves hell. My sin deserves punishment. But He took that punishment to give me reward. Isn't the tree of life a remarkable deal? Isn't it a remarkable deal? When I allow Him into my decisions of stewardship, generosity and faith because I've allowed Him into my heart. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the true riches. He's a rewarder. He rewards you with heaven. That's fantastic. Mark chapter 10 and verse 30 talks about He's a rewarder, not just on this planet, but in the age to come. Haven't you bow your heads and close your eyes? God wants to reward you. He's a rewarder. He loves you, friend. Father, today I thank you for your blessing on every person. God, that we would walk in trust. We want more. We desire more of you. We desire more of your presence and your ways. We desire more of your leadership and your guidance. We desire more trust and peace and confidence instead of anxious, waiting, hoping, and not knowing. God, we rely upon you. And I pray the true riches, Lord God, would be your presence in our heart. The God that's not distant, but he's close. The God that's not judging and rules-based, but He's loving and He's close. as close as the next breath. So Jesus, we turn from our ways. We turn from the sin that came from doing it our way. We We choose the tree of life. You're a rewarder. You're rewarding people right now with your presence in this place. At every campus right now, you're, you're, you're rewarding with your presence. Come on, Good Life Church, He's here. Come on, lift your hands to heaven right across this place. At every campus, lift your hands to heaven. Let God do a remarkable work in your heart and in your life. Let God pour out of His Spirit right now. He's already pouring it out. He's, he's here. He's rich. His riches are here. 
The true riches are here. It's His presence. The Father arrives and pours out. He walks in through the garden. He says, I'm here to hang out with you. I'm here to bring you peace. I'm here to bring you confidence. I'm here to bring you life. I'm here to bring you true riches. Strength in the middle of a storm. Spirit of God, I thank you that you do the work right now in every heart that can't be done by human efforts. Let your presence pour out. Back to every campus right now, and ask the campus pastors to pray and to minister.